Hey everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Art Gustaf Insight podcast series. Today we're going to look back at the past year and highlight the key developments of the staff market in Europe and the US. My name is Julia Squadrin and I'm the Associate Editor for Argus Biofuels. And with me today are Alfonso Berrocal, Business Development Manager for Middle Distillates and SAF, and Luis Burke, Global Head of Aviation and VP of North America Renewables. Thanks both for joining me today. Hi, I'm Julia. Great to be here. Thanks, Julia. Good to be here too. So let's um, let's try and wrap this year up with an overview of the major developments of the sustainable aviation fuel market over the past 12 months. It seems that interest around this product is growing rapidly, and we have seen significant developments around legislations and incentives, which are key to scale up staff supply and uptake. Alfonso, if we look at the European market, what have the main highlights been in terms of legislations and capacity growth in 2022? From... Um... From a legislation perspective in Europe, uh, we need to look at the um, European Council draft mandate, which is set to start in 2025. And, and I would like to uh, highlight three uh, general uh, key points uh, and thoughts out of that, uh, out of that draft. Uh, the first is that the direction of travel of the uh, European Council, the European Union, is that the staff molecules must be available at the airport. There will be a transitional period of mass balancing, but the aim and the penalties are there to drive the market towards the uh, supply of physical SAF in as many European airports as possible. From that regulatory perspective, um, initiatives uh, like book and claim or, or the supply of uh, low carbon aviation fuel oil, LCAF, are not really at this stage funding as a space under the European regulation. Yeah. Second point is that the, um, the inclusion of uh, synthetic SAF from 2030 onwards that will be supporting uh, the production of uh, power to liquid SAF. And I think it's important as well uh, to highlight that, that the European Union is excluding, the European Council is excluding crops as, as feedstock. And these three points, the aim of these three points is to drive a strong production capacity growth and maximize the GHG saving emissions. In the long term, uh, if we translate this into, into production capacity pathways, we're looking at PTL uh, as, the, as the key pathway from 2030 uh, onwards. And in the short to midterm, let's say within the next five to seven years, we are looking at the production of HEFASAF as, as key, as key uh, uh, pathway. Now, if we zoom into what happened during 2022 in Europe, the growth came from the uh, production of co-processed SAF. There are a number of uh, oil refineries in, in Europe that they have already uh, started uh, to add to produce SAF molecules and marketing them. Uh, we can uh, find this happening uh, in, in Central Europe, in Austria, as well as in UK or Spain. And we expect co-processing supporting the market till uh, HEFASAF is wider viable. Thank you very much, Alfonso. Uh, Luis, what about the US or more in general, the Americas instead? Um, we have seen the introduction of the new SAF tax credit under the Inflation Reduction Act that could boost domestic SAF production in the US. And there have been several announcements around production increases in Latin America and Central America. What can you tell us about these recent developments? 
Um, thanks, Julia. Um, we definitely see interest in SAF growing rapidly, uh, but cost is always a, a prime consideration. So as you mentioned, uh, the passage here of the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act has really provided a number of key benefits for this sector. But just some background. I mean, in the, in the U.S., we actually have a disincentive to produce SAF. Um, one of the key issues was that the environmental credits, which really uh, uh, is the motivation for, for production here, um, such as the federal RIN and the California LCFS, really favored renewable diesel or what you know as HVO production. So the issue was this disparity in policy. So as a result, we saw uh, stakeholders really pushed for a SAF incentive, and the industry originally hoped for a program that would create certainty and regulation for like 10 years, which was what was put in in the original Build Back Better Act. But what has actually been passed is under the Inflation Reduction Act. It's only a two-year program, which does transition into a clean fuels production credit uh, for, for an additional three years. So what's good about this uh, uh, credit is that it provides a $1.25 per gallon credit for each gallon of SAF sold in the U.S. if you have a life cycle greenhouse reduction of at least 50%, and then it increases by a cent up to, uh, it's capped out at $1.75 per gallon. Um, and then in addition to the actual incentive um, per SAF molecule, we have a grant program that's gonna be administered by the Department of Transportation. And then on the de-risking of technology, which is a very important part as we look at some of the other pathways, uh, the Inflation uh, Reduction Act has also provided research. So that's important because here in the U.S. we have the SAF Grand Challenge and we need to meet 3 billion gallons by 2030. So all of these are going to help contribute. So that was a very important piece of legislation this year. Now, on the production side in the U.S., we still see really only world energy as the dom only domestic producer with SAF volumes. However, Volumes are getting imported from Neste, and that really kind of supplements the demand we have here. We do have expansion plans involved, uh, announced by World Energy. And in Latin America, I mean, we view that area as interesting because it has no incentives, but it potentially produces volume to go to target high demand sensors such as Europe and the U.S., Right now, we have the Omega Green plant in Paraguay, um, and also an interesting one, the SG Bioenergy plant based in Panama, which could go either way. And then there's many other plants being considered in the region. So we do see um, a, a evolution of a potential production in Latin America as well. Thanks, Luis. Um, if we think instead of, uh, um, in terms of SAF pricing, how has that developed over the past year and what has been the response um, to the Argus staff pricing in the US, Europe and Asia? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in Europe, we've seen some really exciting developments in the market. Um, we've seen several key suppliers offering SAF volumes based on either a, a, an Argus SAF ARA price or the Argus HVO class 2 assessment, and they correlate very closely to each other. We're starting to see the evolution of what I call a bioenergy price complex, where you know participants not only look at the finished fuel price, but the cost of feedstocks, really to get a better understanding of factors that may provide price signals for the SAF market, such as Yuko and Tallow. Um, we've also seen airlines using Argus SAF pricing in key fuel uplift locations, such as Heathrow Airport. 
Um, and then, uh, which is really interesting, we've seen some Chinese SAF volumes shipped to ARA and being offered on an Argus SAF number. Um, in Asia, the SAF pricing is a net back to the high demand center of Europe. So it really kind of reflects uh, demand signals in that area. And in the US, it's a very different story. It's very dependent on some of the credits that I already referenced earlier. Here we have what we call stackable credits, and that is what provides a kind of an estimated achievable value for a SAF producer. There's three different kinds. There's a, a RIN, a D4 RIN. There's a blender's tax credit, which now is the SAF BTC. But also very importantly, there is the low carbon fuel standard credit. So that's offered by states like California. Now, um, what's interesting there is this year there has been a substantial drop in that LCFS value. They're actually below half the value that they were one year ago. And so, there, you know, there's some concern in the market about uh, providing value and incentives for SAF production. Um, the reason uh, the the credit dropped so so low was because the California market has actually been over successful. It's been outperforming. We have a, a, a uh, uh, about 10 or 11 million tons of unused credits as bioproducers are all really targeting and sending their product to California, not only in the U.S., but Pacific Rim. So renewable diesel, et cetera, from, from Singapore is moving into that there. So it's a unique time for the U.S., but we this LCFS program is being re-scoped, um, and now what we're going to see is potentially by 2024 a much tighter a carbon reduction, uh, possibly 35% in transportation fuel carbon intensity by 2030. Uh, the current program only um, actually targets a 20%. So this is going to be beneficial um, for overall credits um, and will continue to promote um, SAF production. Thanks, Luis. That's, that's very interesting. Um, if we look a little bit ahead now, Alfonso, what can we look forward to next year in the European market? Um, what will be the key price drivers in your view? Well, um, I want to think that that the um, 2023 uh, uh, is going to be a year uh, where it's going to be more availability of SAF than, than 2022. And, and this may be, may be uh, an important uh, uh, price driver. Uh, the two, the two uh, the two reasons why we think that it's going to be uh, an increase in production is because it's going to be more co-processing uh, to companies uh, like OMB, P66 or Respsol, uh, who are already uh, co-processing SAF. We uh, can expect uh, others uh, starting to co-process as well in, in France, uh, uh, in Italy, in the Netherlands. This, this will add some, some molecules to the market. And there is a second reason, and, and, and Luis touched upon it uh, uh, already, and is that we expect uh, Chinese SAF to be uh, imported into the uh, area uh, region. Nevertheless, this, this uh, potential increase in, in uh, production, they will not be able to couple to meet uh, demand. Uh, I think 2023 can be as well a year where we may see the first, the first announcement giving a date for the opening of the next HEFASA uh, facility, that this may happen in, in 2024. And this second plant of HEFASA in Europe will change the market because it will give uh, uh, a boost of liquidity. Uh, how this is going to translate uh, in terms of uh, pricing, I think, and price, we need to follow closely the uh, French mandate uh, and the increase in the uh, penalty or the buyout, because this may pull up prices in neighbor 
neighbor locations like the uh, ARA, the Amsterdam Rotterdam uh, Antwerp hub, which is central, is a central region for the pricing uh, structure where the uh, liquidity uh, will funnel. And Luis as well mentioned from a from a pricing mechanism uh, perspective, uh, what uh, pricing tools will be used in contracts. We expect. Uh, more companies using uh, a SAF index, uh, an Argus SAF index, uh, which is the direction that the market uh, looks like it will be taking in the long term as liquidity of SAF uh, uh, increases. We see as well, we see as well companies using a biofuel as a proxy, and in that case, uh, the uh, uh, the HBO class two, the Argus HBO class two price uh, uh, is probably the the best. Uh, uh, possible uh, tool uh, located and as well there are airlines who uh, they are used to they've been used to use uh, a fossil jet uh, we see a, a some transition in those uh, companies using a, a fossil market uh, into the usage of uh, ice gas oil future contract we think because there's a little bit more of liquidity than using uh, jet fossil fuel thanks alfonso Luis, the same question for you, but on the US side, um, what key developments do you expect in 2023? And yeah, it's so it's it's going to be an exciting time. We're going to be seeing some new production come online next year. I think one of the most important ones is the Neste Singapore Singapore facility. I mean, that tends to target. We see a lot of trans-Pacific movement of product um, in the conventional side, in the renewable diesel side right now. So we anticipate that that. Uh, will come into the U.S. markets as well. Um, we also know that uh, the World Energy Plant that I mentioned is in expansion mode. Um, and then we might see our very first, uh, what I call second-gen uh, technology uh, pathway, uh, which is the alcohol-to-jet pathway, come online as the Lanzajet facility um, comes online. So it's it's based in Soberton, Georgia. It's about 10 million gallons a year, but it's it's the start of, of what we'll see in some of this, these new pathways that are coming along. I mean, the other area in the U.S. that's really interesting is that we see um, increasing use of our conventional infrastructure and logistics. So in the U.S., there are currently three major pipelines that accept a SAF blend right now. So you can take your conventional jet blend here, your conventional jet specs, and they've added in the uh, the acceptability of sustainable aviation fuel. Uh, Kinder Morgan is a main pipeline on the West Coast, and so that's accepting SAF, the plantation pipeline, and the colonial pipeline as well. So we're going to see more activity. In fact, uh, this year we did see Neste move product, Neste's product move up the, uh, the colonial pipe to Delta Airlines at LaGuardia Airport. So really interesting how this continues to happen. And then uh, a very important area that is really driving some of the demand for SAF is the business aviation side. So we continue to see increased use of SAF uh, by companies here in the U.S. that are moving the logistics or, or providing the logistics and the supply for corporate customers. Companies like Avfuel and Signature. I think Avfuel um, is selling into about uh, 10 airports that take it actually by pipe. But the rest is here in the U.S. We use the truck and rack um, systems as well. Um, and then uh, Signature, which is the other, uh, which is the largest, what we call FBO, fixed-based operator, has 200 locations worldwide. Um, and they operate at Van Nuys in California, one of the biggest general aviation airports. And they take about a million gallons a year of SAF there. So it's, it's very exciting to see the transformation of both energy supply systems 
and and supply itself by key stakeholders in this market. They're really deploying their skills and resources to achieve more sustainability, which is which is very exciting as we move into 2023. Thanks, Luis, and um, for your insights, and thanks again, Alfonso, for your views as well. So it sounds like there's quite a bit to look forward to next year. So more production coming online, pricing developments, new technologies, incentives, and overall a market that is taking shape and looks set to grow quite rapidly. So we'll be covering some of these newer developments um, in our uh, news, market coverage, and our prices. And we'll be back with more SAF Insights next year. Uh, if you enjoyed this, this podcast, please be sure to tune in for other episodes in our series, SAF Insights. And for more information on Argus global coverage of the sustainable aviation fuel market, please visit argusmedia.com forward slash SAF. In the meantime, I wish you all Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And thanks again, Alfonso Luis. It's been a pleasure. Thanks to you, uh, Julia. Yeah, thank you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, Luis and Julie. Everybody. <laughs>